Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Seahawks podcast on the Believe Sports Network. Thanks for tuning in. I am Seahawks super fan Brett Davert. And he is Seahawks legend, Mofa Dadubu, back for a brand new year. Happy 2024, everybody. Um, on this episode, man, what did we talk about? We, the conversation the conversation was, was rambling and free-flowing here, Lofa. I mean, we, we lost to the Steelers, so we got to go through all that. Oh, we covered that well. Uh-huh. <laughs> doing it, doing it, and doing it well. Um we go through all of that, but then we also look around the league at some other results and how that might have helped or hurt the Seahawks. Uh, Lofa and I also give you our take on Russell Wilson and the drama that is unfolding in Denver with our former quarterback. Uh, shout out to Wiener Schnitzel before we really get going here. Two locations in Everett and in Fife. Go on in and do something different for lunch today. I was wearing my Ask Me About My Wiener costume in front of the stadium, so hopefully a lot of people now who weren't thinking of Wiener Schnitzel now are. They're thinking of my dumb face and and their and Wieners. Anyway, uh, corn dogs, ice cream, all of that. Mention the Take Twelve podcast. Get a free hot dog with any other purchase. Um, without further ado, though, let's just get right into the conversation. Well, how was your New Year's Eve? Could have been better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but yep. I was in bed by like eleven. So if you're asking yep. about my New Year's Eve, Eve it Eve, was, it was pleasant. <laughs> but okay. um, yeah, uh, you went to bed but, at eleven. Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. Time out. <laughs> no, Zach Morris. Time out. Stop. Stop. Wait. Wait. Why are you going to bed before midnight on New Year's Eve? Come on now. Uh, old, and also man. one hour, bro. Too old is you go to bed at nine fifteen. One hour, you're gonna you're gonna short yourself that one hour. It's more getting the kids back to their school schedule, you know. Okay, all right, fair so, enough. Wait, so the kids didn't stay up till midnight? Oh, that's pretty young. Yeah, that's true. Okay, absolutely right, not. Fine. Yeah, that's true. All right, fine. I, I'll allow it. I'll allow it, counselor. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. How was yours? It was all right. Yeah, I was I was hanging out uh, with friends from high school and stuff, and everybody has kids now and families and stuff. So it was it was good to get together and see people and all that and commiserate about New Year's Eve day, which was disappointing, yeah. to say I the guess, least. Guess we should just get right into it. <laughs> well, it, it, the day started off hot. Like we were down there passing out stickers. I had my ask me about my wiener sign for, for our wiener schnitzel promotion. People were laughing. We met, dude. How many people came up to us on the street and said, "Hey, I listen to the podcast. I love the show. Love what you guys are doing." That was really cool. No, it was amazing. You guys crushed it. Um, I had a little, uh, a late time getting there, late start for me, and uh, yeah, show up. 
Brett's out front with a sign. The kids are throwing stickers around. McNeil, I think the funniest part about the whole time, there were so many Steeler jerseys. And yes. anytime a, a TJ Watt jersey went by, we would just pretend the conversation. And that's why Derek Watt will always be the best Watt. And then just to see the look on their face, like them turning around. That, that, was that made me smile. That made me smile. It was, dude, McNeil, our guy McNeil, McNasty, holding it down. We were out there passing out stickers. He's hilarious. He Every Steelers jersey that walked by that was number 14 for Pickens, he would go, oh, that's a sweet DK jersey. <laughs> They'd just be like, what? <laughs> like He's just out there trolling Steeler fans. It's hilarious. And the, the TJ Watt thing or the Derek Watt thing, it made me laugh every time. <laughs> every time. It made them laugh. And, yeah, and that, no disrespect to Derek. I wish the Steelers would have used the middle linebacker a couple of years ago when they had all those injuries. Because mm. uh, you got you got JJ, probably the best, arguably the best interior. TJ, one of the best outside rushers, and then Derek. They're just using him at fullback. You know, I mean, yeah. he was a demon on special teams, six two two fifty, just wrecking fools. So, uh, but just to see their reaction was priceless. That was pretty funny, yeah. And and honestly, so many people coming up saying, I, I've been catching the podcast on YouTube. So thank you guys and shout out to all you guys who are watching on YouTube. That's been a new thing for us this year. And then, of course, all the people that are listening to the pod the old school way and uh, keeping up with us and everything. And we, we got to meet our contest winners in person. Uh, the people who won the tickets to the game, they stopped by. And so we were taking pictures with them. And it was like a real Take 12 family affair out there on the street in front of the press box shout out to the press box sports bar yeah. down there by the way press Sweet box spot. mission outdoors doing it right just the food is good uh justin mission outdoors yep everybody hanging out seeing everybody it was great uh and then we all walked you know you guys all walked over for the game um i went home to watch it with my parents and boy oh boy oh boy i mean I, by the time i got home it was let's see it was seven to seven maybe or it was Mm-hmm. 10 to 7, 10 to 10. I don't know. It was tied, you know, early. Dude, Lofa. Lofa, you and me and everybody walking in the stadium knew that they were going to run the ball. Everybody. It, yeah. I mean, everybody knew they're just going to run the ball. And then if they can, they'll try to complete some passes over the top with Mason Rudolph. And here we are letting some backup joker look like Tom Brady against us again or something like these game managers that come into Lumen backup quarterbacks with a good running game and a good defense well coached you got to give them credit but I'm just so sick and tired of losing to Mason Rudolph and Colt McCoy (laughs) ah it was actually their third string quarterback I think there was a guy (laughs) I don't want to make matters worse but after Pickett, there was another guy um, that they tried. Um, Trubisky was the Oh, Trubisky. Guy. He lost two games, 0-2. So they're like, uh, you know, fuck it. Let's put in Rudolph. And he's played well, not just against us. Um, he, he, he looks like he's going to be their guy if they should make postseason. And no one wants to see them in the postseason because they have a defense and they have a strong running game. So, uh, but yeah, that's my biggest concern was the running game and, you know, they got two dynamic running backs. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea Najee Harris was that big and fast and strong. Um, mm. He's just pushing piles, you know, left and right. Sometimes we had him hit in the backfield, and then it ends up second and five, 
second and you know yeah. four. Yeah. So, and then Jalen Warren, man, he reminds me. It reminds me of the one-two punch, and I think McNeil. We were talking about this. It reminds me of when the Chargers had Melvin Gordon and a young kid by Austin Eckler was backing him mm. up, and every time he mm. went in, he got five. 10, 15 yards, and they started using him more. Jalen Warren's a special running back, and it's crazy because he's only 5'8", 5'9", 215. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, they they look great, but I don't understand um, why we couldn't stop it, I guess, is, is my question. Like, it looked like the guys were there. They just can't tackle or couldn't tackle, couldn't get them on the ground. And like I said, yes – we have to give credit to the exceptional athletes that play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. But what about our defense? That The Seahawks defense has been known for tackling and getting guys on the ground and tackling in a certain way. And once you get there, you what are you supposed to do, Lofa, right? You wrap up and then they twist around or do the the – the death roll or whatever it is, like the Seahawk way of tackling, you know, I didn't see a lot of Seahawk tackling out there. What was with, you know, what's with the, what's with it? I mean, you tackled guys for a living forever. What, what is it to tackling and how come we couldn't get guys literally just get them on the ground? Well, we always go into the game with a plan. Um, I think that's, you know, the, the base fundamentals is you always have, yeah, same shoulder, same leg. That's where your power is. So there's a lot of times I didn't see us same shoulder, same leg. And then the tackling plan, if they are strong, if they have, you know, a great base foundation, their legs keep driving, you have to get those legs out of the ground. Those are two key elements that we always talk about when you, know, you saw the Legion of Boom and even years before um, when we had feared hitters was, you know, you weren't getting those extra yards. So um, I really, my biggest concern was the push up front though, you know, um, mm-hmm. you talk about the tackling, but there was a couple, Jalen Warren didn't even get touched on his 15 yard run. Um, mm-hmm. he weaved yeah, in and out of that defense and it was just like, man, but, but yeah, tackling got to get back to the fundamentals, um, you know, near foot, near shoulder, which means the ball carries on my right. I'm going near shoulder with this near foot fr- up front. And those are just day one. That's day one stuff. Is there now McNeil, you know, our guy McNeil, he's the crazy fan. He's the crazy conspiracy theory Seahawk fan. He's going to have all the weird videos showing us things that, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if we're going to even want to talk about or whatever. But Lofa, I mean, I, to me, and it's across the NFL, I'm seeing guys, are they making business decisions or something and not coming up and, and bringing it like they once did? Because I, it's not just the Seahawks. I see other teams yeah. too. It's like guys are sort of, tentative not in like they're gonna throw a penalty maybe kind of way but like guys are just tentative to make tackles in the first place we've talked about it on here before but there's just some tentative sort of you know back in high school they said if you go half speed that's when you get hurt or whatever i'm seeing a lot of weird like not normal football it just doesn't look the same when guys are coming up to make those hits I think it's a combination of not just, hmm. you know, afraid to get penalized, which would change hmm. the game, you know, uh, extend sure. a drive. But I think a lot of guys are getting fined now for shit that, you know, that that was how football's played. And I mean, that you can't even at, foresee coming. Yeah. Look at look at the Dallas game, you know, where yeah. the guy had a clean shot at the quarterback at Dak Prescott on that 96 yard touchdown. He kind of he kind of went off to the side because he thought, you know, Dak was corralled and, and that right there when you have them pinned back any penalty that lets them out of there changes the whole game 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of times um, I, I don't want to call anyone out by name because I don't know what's going on or whatever, but there's a couple of videos floating around. There's guys who sort of don't necessarily get in there once the initial contact starts going on. And I just wonder if it's because they're afraid of getting that kind of late penalty or like they'll, they, they think that the refs will think that they're piling on or something, but there's guys who are just sort of standing on the outside, kind of watching everything happen. And, and in a way that I've just never seen in the NFL before from a lot of different teams. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, kind of like the way the pro bowl had went from attack. Yeah. No, that that's honestly what it looks like. It looks like the old pro bowl footage sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Like, where guys it's are just weird. like, all right, plays over. They're going to blow the whistle and they're just standing around. Yep. And then and, they don't. And Najee gets four more yards. Yeah. But you, either yeah. way, if you, if you don't hear a whistle, you have to push the pile. You have to get in there you know, find room to fit in there and, or just shove the pile like they did on the touchdown run for, yes. for Najee's uh, last touchdown. Like we, yeah. we had him stopped and yeah, they just rallied and pushed the pile. Um, Some things that, I mean, look, the, the Pickens catch was incredible. I mean, geez, wow. What a, what a catch. I mean, and, and that was one of the times where I felt like we were going to sack Rudolph. I was like, Oh, finally, here comes everybody. And then when they show the replay, we're not even really that, Close to him, actually. He just kind of throws it up, and and well, but Pickens, heck of a catch. That was kind of the play of the game, right there. If we would have gotten him off the field there, I think I think a lot of things change. Well, and then we did get rush, you know, pressure. Um, he double pumped, and the throw was what I was so enamored with. He's just kind of in the air, double pumps, and then lets it fly without even really putting his his feet or mm-hmm. hips into it. And then the catch was it was insane, um, but. Yeah, that was a critical time, you know, in the game. And um, and I think, you know, we always we always do this. We always talk about the refs and the officiating. That fucking penalty for holding, dude, like, mm-hmm. that was so far away from the play. It had yeah. no factor on the play. And back when I was playing, like, I remember, like, you know, getting handled by Larry Allen and just um, – I was complaining to the ref. I was like, where's the hold? He's like, yo, the play's 30 yards over there. Like, I'm not calling. Yeah, quit complaining. Yeah, shut up. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so I just, I don't understand the change in mentality from the refs, you know, going from it didn't have any effect on the play. So why would I call it? Because that's, this is what's happening now. Yeah. I mean, overall, uh, penalty wise, it was a cleaner game for us than most. I think we only had what three or four penalties really overall. Um, but it just felt like, I don't know. It, it, it just, you know, I was nervous going into the game for the reasons that I'm always nervous going into these types of games, it's that backup quarterback thing. It's it. I mean, Tomlin, great coach. He's always going to have him. Wouldn't you, you would have loved to play for Tomlin, huh? What a, Every, what a dude, like just everybody would. football coach, man. Wow. I mean, just strict discipline, you know? Yeah not allowing his team to, to, to lose to themselves. It's hard enough to beat mm-hmm. another NFL team, but just the little things that go a long way to, to go on the road with your third string quarterback and come out with a win. And now he has a chance if he wins next week to keep his uh, increase his streak from 16 years without a losing record to, to 17 years, which is unbelievable. Well, let's stop looking at the other team. Let's <clears throat> turn the mirror around, so to speak, and just look swear at the Seahawks because uh, the Pickens play was obviously a big play, but then Geno's fumble was, I think, the biggest play. And it happened two years ago against the Steelers. It happened again. It happened at just the worst time. You get the ball back. It was the first play of the fourth quarter. 
he's holding the ball low in the pocket. He's the ball is down around his waist. And I don't know anything about anything, but I know that that's not where to hold it, especially with those guys coming around the end and and ball security again for Gino with the game on the line. Yeah. And I had no doubt, you know, other than that play, we go down and score because, you know, he gets the ball back the next time and does it. Uh, We get the field goal out of it to give us a chance, but Right there, that's the only play. Gino played lights out other than one play. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he did hold on to the ball too long. The guy that made the sack, Nick Herbig, fourth round rookie out of Wisconsin, he's going to be a special player. Um, but the guy that was the only guy that was double teamed on the line, that's the one guy that cannot make the play. We had cross on him, and then we had the back chipping. He ran, he did a great job, went into cross, kind of ricocheted off of Walker and then came back with a quick rip, dip and rip, and got low, turned the corner. It was it was an unbelievable play. As, as well as it was a bad play for Gino. it was an unbelievable play uh, on that kid's part. Yeah. Well, but what about it, though? What I mean, it's, it's just another, another no, fumble at an inopportune time. I, but I have no worries or no, no yeah. problems with the offense, or Gino in particular. Sure. Um, this this was one that was just ugly on the defensive side. It's going to be a long film to watch, bro. Um, yeah. With with all those runs, they ran it what forty one times between the two running backs. Like it was like that's that's what Pete Carroll wants uh, to I be. I mean, dude, these these numbers right here, uh, Najee, twenty seven carries, twenty seven carries. I mean, is it? You think I'm reading Franco Harris's numbers from the 70s? Like they, 27 carries in today's modern NFL for one running back. 20. This is not the whole team, everybody. 27. Are you guys listening? It's like Rocky Blyers back there running the ball. 27 carries. This is like they're wearing like a single bar face mask. 27 carries for 122 yards, two touchdowns. By the way, everybody, you math majors, that's 27 carries, 27 carries, 4.5 yards a carry on 27. Yeah. And oh. luckily luckily he he slid on the on the last one, otherwise he would have had another touchdown another 5 yards. Oh man. Okay, and then Warren, 13 carries. So the second guy has another 13 for 75 and a touchdown, and that's 5.7. So you the two running backs go for 4.5 and then 5.7 and three touchdowns combined. Yeah. <sighs> that's uh, it's a long day. Yo. Um, Kenneth K9, I mean, on the other side of the ball, he gets 10 carries. He was battling the shoulder. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. He was battling the shoulder all game. So, you know, we know he wasn't quite right, uh, but still goes for 5.3 on the average, 10, 10 carries for 53 yards. I mean, he was looking shifty. He just couldn't really stay out there the whole time, and he looked like he was battling the injury thing the whole time. So I, we'll see what happens with him the rest of the way, huh? Yeah, and then uh, I don't think uh, Lucas finished the game, but in, in regards to K nine, had some phenomenal effort. Um, the yeah. long one called back. That would have put us down around the four or three-yard line. Yeah. That was a special effort. He was, you know, getting – there was not a whole lot to get there, and he was making things happen. The O-line, they did as best they could. That's a tough defensive front to go against. But um, even the pressure, there's so many times Gino throwing off his back foot that I was impressed with with K-9 getting 5.3 per carry against that front. 
Yeah, he, dude, he's he's shifty. I mean, there's plenty of times where it's, there's nothing there, and he just kind of squirts through, and he's quick, and yeah, he's yeah. he's he's electric. I'd like to see him just get more carries and more touches, but we know he was battling some stuff there. Yeah, DK, a thing. I mean, five receptions, one oh six on eight targets. You love throwing the ball to DK. I I don't know why we just don't throw him that. Like you were saying before we came on here, like slant on every play, huh? Just give him the ball. The when you get it to him in motion, there is nobody that wants to. I'm talking without breaking stride. So the long shots, those are great and everything. But, you know, a lot of these, like when he comes back and has to set with like on a curl route, it gives the defense time to, you know, stop the machine before it gets going. But once it gets yeah. going, there's there's no DB out there that wants to continually step in front of that guy. So oh. I think, I think yeah, those, those are huge plays that we need to get to him, um, you know, more often. Yeah, uh, Noah Fant, uh, another big day. Parkinson, uh, some good catch, you know, good catches when you needed them. They seem to be using the tight ends more than they used at the beginning of the year uh, as receivers. Do you notice that as well? Yeah, when we had success, that's what we were doing. So I think we're going mm-hmm. back to it. You know, like the Detroit game, they, they showed up a lot. Um, Fant, Parkinson, you know, and, and even Desley too. So, um, and I think if, if this Lucas injury is serious again, then we're going to see multiple tight end sets again to to help chip and then get out late release to the flats, become the check down. But you got to protect Gino. And I think that's that's really we, we did a decent job against that front. But it was it was a, it was a tough day. And I thought Gino played outstanding other than that one play. He so many times throwing off his back foot. Yeah, yeah, no, the defense, the defense really is, I think, where the letdown was in this game. They gotta, I don't know, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta find some consistency. That's for sure. Um, in yeah. in stuff here, I mean, you know, look, they're not out of it. Uh, they they can they can win two more, and they're in. So you know, we knew that going into this one. So it's all is not lost, Seahawk fans. They can still make the playoffs. Um, we got to root hard. It's going to be two road games. And then of course, if they're in the playoffs, it'll be more road games. So it's it's a tough task. Well, we got Arizona left and then hopefully another road game. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but we need help, right? We were, we're big, uh, was it lions and bears fan? So, um, (laughs) it seems like we're always lions fans, but this time we need bears too, to go down to Lambeau and, and pull one out. So, um, I have faith in the Lions. We'll get it done. Uh, the 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 Packers, though, that's the one. And then I think it comes down to either or we need New Orleans or Tampa to lose, right? Isn't yeah, that, I think that's the scenario. So a lot of a lot of scenarios. Yeah, a lot. But of it doesn't matter if we don't go down and 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 knock off a, a Cardinal team that just went to Philadelphia and came all the way back to to win that game, dude. Well, okay, so that's what I was okay, yeah, you wanna you wanna get off of this Steelers game and, and start just looking around a little bit and, and every I mean, well, you know, first honestly, actually what I was gonna ask you is um is, is that well is that Pete's last game at Lumen? No. No. Dude, no. Why why do you think so? No, I didn't say I think so. I'm asking you. Because oh, I okay. just I don't know. I just you know, I just don't know. I mean he seems to be <clears throat> they've caught him on some videotape sort of taking things in, looking around a little more after some of these big wins and close wins and taking things in in a way that that uh you know, I don't know, maybe maybe he's just taking it in. I you know, who maybe maybe yeah. people like me and McNeil are reading too much into it. Reading too but much you know, he's he's <laughs> he's 
it, it, that it, look, Pete, he's running around like he's 20. It's well documented his energy and all of that. So we don't need to go into all of that stuff, but he, he is getting up there in age. And I don't know. I just was asking, I don't know. Like, a lot of people are asking, do you think that's his last game, last home no. game? I don't think he wants to go out like that. <laughs> Not after how it ended. <laughs> no, he he doesn't. And, and, you know, even, you know, we, we, we always talk about and, and put blame where blames deserve on, on players because they're the ones playing the game, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, Coaching decision at the end. I know I do not believe this is Pete's last game, but we got to talk about, okay, the challenge that I oh, understand. Yeah. I understand it makes it a third and goal situation and any chance to keep it to three is huge, which we did luckily keep them to three, but we yeah. lost a very valuable timeout. And then the decision not to kick it deep. Yeah. Now I'll always defend going for the win. That's what the best chance to win is if we get the ball back right there. Um, but I think not getting the ball back and then it was an incredibly ballsy call by, by the Steelers to put that ball in the air right away. We missed the tackle again and now they're in field goal range. So even if it doesn't end the way it ends, they're going to kick and make it a two score game, but you, you got to kick that ball deep. And I know, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, but yeah. that's one decision I believe Pete wants back. Well, I texted I texted the group chain right away because I you know I love playing Madden and I I like to think of myself as a game manager and all of that at, especially in late game situations here Lofa and and I texted the group right away because I said you can't onside kick there because you had two minutes and one second left and you need the two minute warning to stop the clock but it, it, you're going to have the two minute warning after a kickoff which doesn't do us any good so you got to have Myers boot that thing out of the back of the end zone which doesn't allow the clock to start. Then after their first snap, that'd be your two-minute warning. There's a clock stoppage, and then you have your two timeouts. Two timeouts. You, can't, you can't do the onside kick. That wastes the two-minute warning, which is the clock stoppage that you're going to need. And But regardless, we shouldn't need it anyway. I'm so sick. Look, yeah. bro, I know you love the win. In the, can you win in the first quarter? Can you win in the second? Can you Look, it. can you lose the game in the first quarter? Kind of. <laughs> and I think we kind of did in this one, you know? Like, dude, what is wrong with blowing people out? What is wrong with just trying to put it up on somebody? I'm sick of these fourth quarter games. Well, you know, in my perspective, I really thought the third quarter, because you look at it, that's where we got outscored um, in Mm -hmm. the, in the, we got outscored in the first quarter and the third, but the third, it was, and I'll speak more to the coaching. We started going to like gimmick trick plays, the little shovel pass that luckily I I knew it was incomplete, but it still gave me a heart attack because we're backed up. Um, and then seeing TJ Watt, of course, he's the one that comes up with it. But then the other one, we have a new center in. Evan Brown gets hurt. Olu comes in. I thought he had a solid game, but we go to it was actually a very well designed play. Yeah. All he has to do is make that one guy miss. Yeah, but it was a yep. quick snap. You know, just I just didn't understand calling those plays, and he definitely would have hit the crease. Unbelievable design. Just it wasn't well executed because. The guy that runs that play, Brown, was not at center. And I don't blame Olu. It's, I just think we have to put them in better positions to make plays when we know, okay, this is a rookie center coming in, and this is one of his first few series, and that's what we give him. It's just I, – I don't know. So those are tough – like I said, everyone has a part in this. I've been a player. I've been a coach. Anytime you lose, everyone has a part of it, just like anytime you win. And I think that, you know, so these are some things that had to get pointed out. I feel like they are just one of those teams that is very talented. They're just waiting for the playoffs to start, kind of like the Chiefs. Like 
they're used to being in the postseason now, um, you know, went to a Super Bowl. So they're like, all right, we'll turn it on. You can't just turn that shit on. Like that button has to be hit in November. And so, you know, I, I think they're, they're in trouble right now and they know it. And I think that's the, that's the scariest part. Do I think he's gone? No, I don't. He's had, he's already has double digit wins again. Um, even if they get bounced in the first, you know, round of playoffs, I think he's going to be fine for at least one more year. Um, other, other games I noticed was the Ravens, bro. Holy shit. They embarrassed the Dolphins 56 to 19. The Ravens, if they, I mean, and they have injuries, right? So look at what Harbaugh's done. They, they lost Mark Andrews. They lost um, Keaton Mitchell, the explosive rookie running back. And they're finding ways to adjust and keep going on. They have a lot of playmakers, but they're, that's just a tough team to beat, man. And that, that's, a, that's a crazy score. That's a 10-win team, Dolphin team, that they just throttled. From that, I'm going to look at the numbers real quick because I'll tell you a guy who I've been really impressed with is Jake Browning, uh, your boy. He, he had 200 yards and a touchdown. I don't think he had any turnovers. At least it doesn't look like it. He's found a way to keep the Bengals in this. You know, with Joe Burrow going down, anytime the starting quarterback goes down, it's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, what do we do now? Because he's a franchise quarterback. Browning's done well. Um, I think they're still alive at 8-8. Eight and eight, So we'll see what happens. <laughs> and then the Browns, Joe Flacco. This was uh, the Thursday game um, from the week before, but 37 points on a tough Jets defense, and no one wants to see the Browns in the postseason, bro. No, absolutely. Um, I think direction of where you want to go as an organization is the problem. Um, Sean Payton, that contract was handed out before Sean Payton went got the, the job, and you know, they are eliminated from playoffs, even despite winning yesterday. So it wouldn't have mattered even if Russ was in there. I think he did the right thing because as a player, you have to protect yourself. And so uh, no problems with what Russ did. Um, he did get done dirty. But this is the nature of the beast, man. This is what the business is. And so uh, rarely ever do you get a behind the scenes peek at it like this. I mean, with just all sorts of information coming out. But you think about a year ago and then Sean Payton taking the job. If everything goes smooth, yeah, then Russ is the guy going forward. It did not start smoothly with everything from, hey, your team's out of here, you know, get no parking spots for them. They're out of the office. So you, we had to just keep an eye on this. And then they started one and five. After that, they had a miraculous comeback, uh, you know, and that was a lot of Russ and Sean Payton, too, as a coach, because they got blown out. They had a 70 point, you know, or a 50 point loss, giving up seven. Yes. So to rally the guys and get them directed back on course and have a shot at the playoffs was unbelievable on both of these guys' parts, Russ and Sean. Um, so that's what confused me was how he was not his guy going forward. Now he is 35. He's got 40 million or so due next year. So this is a decision solely made on business, not on performance. But if he tried to move Russ last year, there was too much money to move Russ last year. Too much money owed. And then he just came off the worst year of his career well i mean that no this is sean payton is a tough coach he he you know he, he demands greatness and he got a glimpse of it with russ but you know it's obvious it's just not his guy going forward because of age money and then what other address uh, team needs he needs to address so it you know he's just like all right well let's just start fresh and a year ago like i said 
Russ had no trade value. There was no one willing to take on that contract. You know, he was 34 going on to 35. Everybody, everybody was saying, it was like, oh, his best years are behind him. I mean, he came out 26, eight, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He, he was up there as one of the most efficient passers this year. He's going to be fine going forward. Um, I, oh, and there goes Brett. Well, folks, the show goes on. So, uh, hands in the middle. We still got this, but we have to take care of business. So, we're going to break it down to take care of business. All right? On three. One, two, three. Take, take care, of business. care of business. And hope for some help. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.